Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello and welcome to the Never Press News podcast episode 6. Before I start with my guest today, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's given me some feedback, positive and negative. Hopefully I can incorporate those in to keep delivering quality content throughout the rest of the season. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone that's listened. We're around about a thousand combined listens now for the first five episodes, which is just unbelievable. I never really thought that would be where it would go. Uh, So thank you to everybody. And my final announcement before I bring my guest in today is for those that listened to episode five with Christy, uh, the cycling the length of the the country, uh, solo unsupported. She mentioned in there that she had an opportunity, watch this space, I think was the phrase used, around an opportunity in her work to be promoted. Myself and Sue are sat here today. She's just popped into the room with us at the Holiday Inn. She got the promotion. It's well-deserved. She's now the Ops Manager of the Holiday Inn, Basildon. Well done, Christy. I just introduced my guest today, Sue Hossack. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So normally we start with uh, how we met. Um, So I'll ask you the question, can you remember how we met? I can. Um, It's a couple of years ago now. Um, Not in a gym like most of your previous (laughs) guests. Yeah. Um, So we met actually through um, our work connection where... um, I was asked to come in and work with you and your team on a particular subject, um, and we met in a um, venue hotel down in South End, um, and we started working on coaching and leadership development for your team and yourself. Big job for you working with me on that one. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is exactly what happened. Um, I. I, I kind of got this thing in my head about emotional intelligence. How could I incorporate that in our day-to-day work? What did that actually mean? Spoke to a few people. Um, Andy Williamson, who you work with, um, I'd spoken to him about it, and he basically said, I've got the person. You've got to meet her. We had a quick telephone call about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I vaguely gave you a brief of what I wanted to achieve out of it. Somehow you worked that out, what it was I was trying to get across, and you turned it into summer. And I would say since then you have been part of that circle and even more so part of my inner circle in terms of my development you've been the my go-to mentor for all things leadership um over the last couple of years i'm fortunate enough to have had that that resource available to me um i think we've i'd like to say we've developed a friendship over that as well so apart from the fact that you're an arsenal fan that's the (laughs) only thing that frustrates me but we've we've worked together on a lot of things i i you are, I don't want to butter you up too much, but um, absolutely within my inner circle of people that I trust. As soon as I decided to do the podcast and started to list out the people that inspired me, you was definitely on that list. It's not in order, by the way, not number six. Right? The episodes <laughs> yeah. are not the order of, not, uh, not of inspiration. <laughs> no, it's just we've worked together so closely and I've seen the benefits of having a mentor and a coach and hopefully we'll get into a few of those things today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to say thank you for all the work you've done over the last couple Pleasure. of years. And, and long may that that continue. I don't know what capacity it will continue in. I am a little bit 
upset about it. I feel like I've got other people that you can work with a little bit closer. It's like you I have to remove have to share me out. Share, you know, bit, yeah. yeah, that's a little bit frustrating. I, I mean, think that you. first telephone conversation we had prior to the face-to-face meeting with your team, um, it was obvious, I think, we were on the same page straight away. So, you know, how you shared what your thoughts were around emotional intelligence and bringing that subject to your team, um, we kind of got each other, I think, straight away. So, yeah, easy start for me. An easy start. Well, <laughs> so it was an easy sell for me. That's what I was going to say. So my, my boss, it was a very easy sell to him in the sense that he completely supports this as an element of our development and an area we, we should strengthen. Yeah. Not quite as easy to sell back to my own team um, <laughs> when you stand there and say, right, guys, we're going to do emotional intelligence. And it's like, oh, here we go again with yeah. another fad subject. But I suppose the point was to embed emotional intelligence, leadership, coaching, all of those sections that we have within our toolkit, so to speak, yeah. to be better leaders or try to be better leaders. How could we bring all that together? Yeah. And um, you've done that amazingly. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I think for me, in guest number six and listening to the five previous ones, then, um, you know, your your previous guests are people that you've got to know through different experiences. And we've got to know each other purely through the work channel. Um, yeah. And because of the work we do together, then um, I would agree and I'd class you as one of my inner circle and one of my um, friends as well now. Thank so, you very yeah. much. Feel honoured. So enough about me and how we <laughs> we met. This is about you. Um, so I know absolutely loads about you. Tell everyone who's listening a bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, um, I'm uh, West Sussex born and bred. Um, I still live in West Sussex in a small village called Storrington, which is um, south of Gatwick. Um, I'm married. Been married for twenty four years. Um, I'm one of three daughters, the middle daughter, which um, (laughs) earlier conversation was suggesting the middle daughter was kind of um, special in some ways. Feral, I think. Feral. Feral Um, was the phrase we used. Yeah. Um, Well, Simon said that he was middle. Yes. So he was given the hand-me-downs from his older brother. By the time he went to give it to his younger brother, it was out of date. Uh, Absolutely. So he just got rubbish in the middle. Yeah. Middle child syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I um, recognise the syndrome, yeah. So one of three, um, very happy childhood, um, no kids myself, um, so married, um, one dog, which um, was named after, you've already mentioned, Arsenal was named after uh, Henri in our team. So yeah, very, um, you know, quiet country girl really, travelled around a little bit, lived in London and Surrey, um, but yeah, always sort of West Sussex based. And what are you doing now? Um, so I work for myself now. I have done for the last eight years, 2012. I left the corporate world and um, began my own business, which is called the Brand You Company. Um, and what I do and spend my time on every day is really helping leaders to lead their teams in the best way possible and um, to help people be the best they can be. Um, so, and I'm really passionate about that, and hopefully I can share some of the story as we go through. So you mentioned uh, prior to on it, we'll cover the 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 brand new stuff later with the mm. with your own business. So I want you to take us back a little bit to the to the corporate life of which I am part of. So yeah. tell us all about your corporate life. 
Um, so my corporate life um, worked uh, most of it, a majority of my corporate time was in um, one of the GE General Electric businesses. Um, GE Capital was where I spent 12 years. Um, I, as most people do in GE, you kind of move around different businesses, different functions, own different teams. But a majority of my time was um, GE Capital in the fleet services team. So we looked after company cars and leasing. Um, and I led sales teams and um, at different points I led the operations teams as well and some of the other G businesses. So. What was your, what, when you leaded a sales team then, what, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Um, I would be the sales manager of, um, in my case, a um, team of account managers that would be out managing relationships with customers, looking after company cars um, and their fleet requirements, how they financed it, how they leased it. Um, and um, they, they manage the customer relationship and I manage the teams managing that. And then you moved into more of an operation role, you said? Um, beforehand. So I was operations before, um, which was really um, in a different part of GE and there were operational centres around um, the UK. I looked after the south, the southeast, um, and managed the branch network and the teams um, supporting the customers coming in and out of the, the branches, really. So yeah. always led teams of people. That's but that was the common where I was gonna, yeah, what, yeah, I was going to say, what's the common denominator yeah. with all of those roles? So leading yeah. people. Yes, yeah. And was that always something you'd wanted to get into? Did you fall into it by chance? I fell into it, really, by chance. If I go back before corporate life, um, when I left school and college, uh, my first career, if you want to call it a career, was hairdressing. And I don't mean hairdressing is not a career, but it was by default I fell into that. Um, and I think if it wasn't for a number of allergies and skin challenges I had, I'd still be doing it, probably. Yeah. Um, so I fell into that, um, had to leave, moved into um, different roles within retail, but I didn't intend to go out and lead teams. It was just my default. It was just what I ended up doing. Um, dealing with customers, talking to people, um, helping teams deliver whatever it was that they needed to do during the, you know, a working day. So it wasn't a plan. It's just where I ended up. Yeah. How did you end up then going from, I don't know, a single contributor into a leadership role? I know you said there's no plan there, mm. but... So the reason I ask that is because generally when people are moved into management positions early on, it's due to outstanding performance in yeah. their role they're in. And the irony of that is that mm. they've not proven the role that they're going into. They've proven they're very good in yeah. the role that they're in. doesn't make you great doesn't as make a you leader. But I suppose there's some similarities, isn't there? In, yeah, in, yeah, I think so. In, in being a contributor, you can... You can demonstrate some of those skills, but mm. leadership then lands on your lap and it's a whole new world. Yeah, I think I worked for great leaders um, most of the time. I had some experiences where you'd learn from those that weren't so great. But um, when I was the single contributor in previous roles, then I often was asked to um, coach people or help them settle in if they were new starters or go and mentor somebody um, because I had expertise that you know this person was looking for so I often was identified as someone who could go and help others be better at their roles um, and 
I'm naturally, I'm a Virgo and I'm very organised. Talk to me about Virgo. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm very organised. I'm very methodical. I'm quite a logical thinker. Um, I like things being neat and tidy. So I would organise the office or the team because if I see it, I just need to do it. So I would start to lead in that way, if you want to call it leading. I'd organise, plan and begin supporting um, and help people settle into their roles by coaching and supporting them. So I think it was just, you know, something that I would do naturally and it became identified as somebody who could perhaps step up and lead the team as well. And is that's that, where my skill set is more so than being the single contributor. Contributor, yeah. Is that is that whilst still delivering in your role as well? So I think what if you're going to be given an opportunity mm. to start to look after other people, mm. there's certainly you've got to be delivering you've got to be that refined I suppose if you're going to be a role model yeah. for want of a better yeah. phrase. Yeah. So what was your what was you having to deliver at that time and, and how was that going? Um, I had to deliver, you know, the typical goals and targets and results for my particular role, which would be at that point um, account managing. So I'd have to, you know, achieve a certain performance out of an account, sell so many products on top. So I'd still have my individual targets in the early days um, while sort of taking on the stretch assignments, if you yeah. want to call it that. Um and then when a vacancy came up, um, I was asked if I would go and consider it and um, I got the job. You know, I didn't particularly set out to be a leader or apply for the role. Um, people around me identified that that was where you'd be better placed and that's what I did. I suppose that's a, a nice thing that people have recognised that that's a, the traits yeah. that you possess yeah. and not just put someone in there that either doesn't have those abilities yeah. or is outstanding performer in their other areas so you end up with a bit of a square peg round hole yeah so you you get these leadership positions and let's take the first one day one you walk in and you want to be you just mentioned there you've got you've worked for some great leaders mm. um, as of heart as of I which is a, an amazing thing I think you do you do learn a lot from them you mentioned as well that you learn a lot from the ones that are not great leaders yeah. and I yeah. suppose you just decide I'm not going to be like that yeah absolutely I'm not because I know how it made those. me feel yeah um so I'm quite as you know because um, we've spent a, a few years working together um I'm I'm a good observer of people um I can generally read what the eyes are telling as well as what the mouth is saying um, so I, I can I can see and observe how people's leadership is impacting individuals and I guess I've just observed and watched that over a number of years as well as knowing how it would make me feel if my boss was motivational supporting you know a good energizer you know someone who kind of kicked you when you needed to be challenged a little bit more um, and I would just replicate that as well. My natural strength is um, working with people and bringing the best out of them. So you walk in on day one as the new boss of your new team yeah. and you've had these great leaders in front of you. You're obviously going to try and replicate some of their traits and yeah. try to be the best leader. What what was your what was your mantra? What, what was you going to do that day that you walked in? Be myself, I think, um, because I think... Um, you want to replicate some of the good behaviours and great leadership that you may have worked with before. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I often say it to people, be authentic and 
don't lose your personality, don't leave it at the front door just because you've worked into an office environment or work. Um, so I always wanted to maintain that um, and have my own style, but with some core values within it as well. Um, my first leadership position was promoted from within a team. Some people will find that harder. Um, what challenges does I've I've had that exact same scenario? Yeah. And although you think this is okay, the, I've got the respect of the team. I've mm. carried the bag essentially, or whatever yeah. you want. You know, I've done what they've seen me do in that role. There's still some difficulties that come with yeah. a promotion from within. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what 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 were those? Well, they know you too well for a start. <laughs> yeah. So they they know what you always used to moan about, perhaps or. You know that your strengths and your areas which wouldn't be your seen as your strength and perhaps a development need as well but um for me it worked better to know the team beforehand um others would find that more challenging and it's easier perhaps to fall into a team where they know nothing about you um but i found it a benefit because i would know the individuals well enough to know how i could get that team to be the best that they can be together rather than working as independent people. So I didn't really find that too big a challenge. It worked in my advantage, really. So if you had it the other way around where you've gone, you've moved into a team where you didn't know anyone, yeah. what are the challenges yeah. in there? Oh, well, completely opposite. So, um, But the good news is you can start again if you want to <laughs> That was what I was just going to say. Your Re reset. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a great opportunity, isn't it? And I, sometimes when people have left the organisation that I work for and that, you know, I'm not jealous, but I'm mm. slightly envious yeah. that they get to, um, to delete all of that history yeah. and say, I'm going to walk through that mm. door with all of the, th the experiences yeah. that I've had behind mm. me and start fresh yeah. today. I agree. I, I, I think there is a real advantage from that because you can hit the reset button and start again. Um, but and, and we may talk about it at some point today, but um, something that's really, really important to me is my reputation. And um, I thrive off my reputation being in the right place and the right people thinking the right things about it. So my motivator is how well my reputation is seen by others. So when the team know you already, my reputation is fairly well established, good, bad or indifferent, I guess. Um, and so I don't need to reset and start again. Well, as if you move companies or departments within an organisation, you, you may have to rebuild it. And I, I personally prefer to take it with me. And that those I'm going to work with know it already. Yeah, I, I think there's pros and cons to both, yeah, isn't absolutely. there? Absolutely. I, I do. I do think that reputation. In fact, I'll ask you the question. Then you said there that you take your reputation with you. What is this reputation built of? What 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 does it comprise of? I think well, lots of lots of layers, you know. And I think your reputation, you take it with you, but actually, it, it goes before. I was you. just going to say um, it might arrive before it, you get it, there. Absolutely. In it any does. of these industries that we work in I think they're much smaller than we yeah. actually realize yeah. so I think someone said to me once I was, I was talking about a role or something and I was talking about interviewing for a role and someone just fired out like this comment it was like you've been on an interview for the last 10 oh, yeah. years yeah. you're constantly on that yeah. and I, I don't want to delve into the realms of social media too much unless it takes us there mm. but that's also yeah. 
another version of your reputation that's out yeah. there for people to see. So the, the content Constantly. we're pushing out on LinkedIn, yeah. the stuff you may retweet or mm. post on Facebook, yeah. um, they see you and that arrives before your yeah. HR um, departments or even companies are much savvier now, mm. certainly than when I moved yeah. into the corporate yeah. world on, yeah. on checking my reputation yeah. and looking at who I am before yeah. I get there. Absolutely. Well, it goes before you. I think you take it with you and you can maintain it. Um, and enhance it but it goes before you I always think it's like a pebble in a pond you know it has this sort of ripple effect and it's what people say about you when you're not in the room I, I wanted to cover that later right. with you actually about yeah. what that reputation we could do it now is and, and I always say to the guys that I work with and it's come from something that we've worked on together about your identity and mm. your brand and your reputation yeah. who you are I, what do those people say about you when you're not in the yeah. room yeah. and I suppose in terms of development for an individual, you would say, what do you want them to say yeah. about you when you're yeah, not in the room? Completely. It's a great challenging question to ask and it's very thought provoking. Um, so what I've... did you want people to say about yeah. you when you wasn't in the, it's my turn to question yeah. you. What yeah, did this, you is want... really, this is turning the tables on me, isn't it? I normally ask you yeah. questions. So. What did you want people to say yeah. about you when you wasn't in the room or when they look on social media, if they're trying to find this reputation of yeah. Sue Hossack, what yeah. did you want him to see? That I was authentic, um, that my um, my commitment was something I always delivered on, that I would challenge people, but challenge in the right way, um, that I would take on the challenges given to me as well, um, that I would always look for more and support people, that I was a people person was really important to me, but that I had energy, um, passion for what I was doing and um, that I would be a, really someone who um, worked with the team but helped lead the team. Where was your gaps in that then? So you, you've now got yeah. this job and one of the worst things you've got to do is, mm. I suppose, I say worse, but I suppose it's a true reflection of the individual if you mm. can hold that mirror up and say, yeah. who am I? Yeah. If this is what I want to be, what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. And how do I fill all of those gaps with the things yeah. that I haven't got right yeah. now? I think what my biggest gap, gap um, it, it's there is a gap that stood out for me always, and I, as I'm talking to you now, I can hear. Well, you're smiling. My old, so. Yeah, I can hear my old boss saying it to me, and actually, you know, year after year in my annual appraisal, the same thing would come out. So I believe that you've got your core DNA yep. that you must never change because that's you, your authenticity. But we can wrap ourselves in behaviours yep. for others to see different things. And um, one thing that I struggled always to change was my self-confidence. So people would always say to me, and they say it today, oh, you're really confident. You're really confident. Really confident. And um, we would like some of your confidence. Can you help me grow in confidence? But actually, I don't have very much of it myself. And um, people tend to be a little bit surprised by that. Um, but I, I would always have this inner voice. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. So how I do you, that really so, well now. So how, do you do, how do you do that then? Um, I, I think I'm more comfortable as I've got older. Um, and actually, while I work for myself, um, I don't need to be so confident because I'm doing things that I know I can do well. So you're in a con you can control the... I'm more in my environment, zone. and it's a comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I think in the corporate world, certainly where I worked, you know, it was a 
constant we used to, I used to call it a kind of corporate merry-go-round that you'd hang on every January really tight yeah and you get spun around and one day so you'd fall fall. off um, it was never personal but you know every year there would be restructure consultation change acquisition new team new responsibilities so you'd end up getting stretched and altered and what you started off owning wasn't necessarily what you'd end up owning um, which was fine um, and corporate life, you know, taught me an, an enormous amount that I benefited from and I use still today. So I would never regret a minute in it. But um, it, it for me, and you ended up owning things that you weren't so passionate about. So my only brief to myself when I chose to come off that merry-go-round, which actually at some point you get pushed off because that's what happens eventually, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is another story you might go there. Um, My only brief was that whatever I do, I'm not going to pretend I'm enjoying it. I will truly be enjoying everything I do every day. That's a great place to start work, isn't it? If you're going to go on any venture whatsoever. I'm I'm not just saying this for the sake of the podcast. I, I consider myself a very fortunate individual mm. that more by luck than judgment I've ended up in um, an organisation and a role that mm. I genuinely I was, I was thinking about the podcast last night while I was um, walking around to the shop and I was thinking how, how can I explain what it is and I, would, I wouldn't say I get out of bed every morning and whistle and jump around <laughs> and go for the grind as we were just calling it earlier but you know 90% of the time if not more I I, I'm happy to go to yeah. work. Yeah. And, and We're very a, fortunate to th- have that. I, I am I'm completely grateful for those opportunities and for yeah. the way that that's worked out. Mm. I, I don't think I've always been like that. I think it took some clearing out of the mud in front of you to realise yeah. what it was yeah. that was there. Mm. But actually now, when I look at it, it's what a fortunate position to yeah. be in because I, I genuinely don't think I could come to work mm. every day. And that's two two big jobs I've had in my entire life and both of them I've absolutely loved. Yeah. So, you know, we're really fortunate. Living the dream. Yeah, you know? well, but, yeah. But ultimately you've done the same. So you've got a job that mm. you want and you've ended up in it, but then you've made a decision to go even yeah. more niche and pick yeah. something that you really are going to be yeah. passionate about. Yeah. And that was my only brief, you know, not to um, pretend I was enjoying whatever I was doing. I would truly be enjoying it and really passionate about who I would work with as well. That's the ability, isn't it? When you yeah. when you start to look at building your own business around that area, you can yeah. actually focus on yeah. the skills. That, so did you get to leave the lack of confidence stuff behind? Because not now really. it was up no, to you. No, it's that inner, inner voice that I always have. So... Um, I think I'm, I have less of it today um, because I'm working in the areas that I enjoy most. Yeah. So I feel most comfortable at it. Um, but I, I actually coach people sometimes on um, building I was their just self-confidence. Ask, yeah. and so I the can, irony. Yeah, it is. It's really because <laughs> so if what, only they knew I was yeah. sitting well, feeling just the same a, sometimes. You've just got to look confident on the outside. Yeah, it works. But, so <laughs> how did you, what, what brought the lack of confidence on? Is there like a defining moment is there a is there something ingrained that's caused this lack of confidence there must be there must be i've never really peeled back the layers far enough to really look at that should we do that now no. <laughs> <laughs> no. so i i i actually and still now and, and someone rang me actually after the first podcast and said 
I've got some feedback for you. I know you really don't like public speaking, so well done on getting on the microphone, etc. Yeah. And that is something that stood with me since I was like, I don't know, mm. eight years old and mm. maybe a little bit older. And I'll try to keep the story short, but <laughs> basically my school used to put on these productions every year and it was the best one in the whole town that we, mm. that we lived in. And they were putting this production on a jungle book and I auditioned and got the starring role of a monkey, right? So I'm now going to be a monkey. I've got a swing from a rope and that's it. Wear some brown tights and a brown roll neck, which isn't really where I thought my it's acting not, yeah, career no. was going to go. Start and so <laughs> I think they felt sorry for me. So they was like, right, uh, you can be the understudy to the mm-hmm. bear, Baloo the bear, right? You can be his understudy. Now, the guy who was doing this, I don't know if he'll ever be listening. I might tag him in it on Facebook or something. <laughs> a lad called Andy Wilson. Best looking lad at school. Best footballer. All the girls fancied him. He's the bear. And I'm the understudy and a monkey. Anyway, we're sitting in the school one night. And uh, I haven't bothered learning any of the lines because Andy Wilson's going to rock this every yeah, single time. Yeah. And he doesn't show up. Mm. And the fear yeah. that starts to take yes. over me was yeah. uncontrollable yeah. to a point where I was like mm. nearly being sick. Yeah. I'm going to have to go and stand on the stage with all these parents. And I haven't even, I'm just going to have to try and wing a bit of jungle book. I <laughs> hope, no hope no one notices whilst wearing a giant fur coat. Um, and then all of a sudden, mm. as they're like putting the coat on me and I'm still trembling, Andy Wilson comes barging oh. through the door and saves the day. And his dad's car had broke down or got a flat tyre. And in he comes, takes the thing off. And the relief at that moment in time, yeah. well, from that day on, mm. no way was no, I getting on the stage again? ever again. Yeah. And not until later on mm. in corporate life, even throughout the time in the army, mm. I was terrible at presenting yeah. or being yeah. in front of a group. Even if we was in like an open discussion with 10 people in a room, and they went, what do you think, Tony? I would go bright yeah. red. I would yeah. be shaking. I would be sweating. Mm. I still get some of those traits yeah. now. I just think Not I've switched it a bit. Yeah. yeah. I but, think yeah. the only thing I can, you know, as we're talking, the only thing I can connect back possibly um, and I was relaying this story to somebody a couple of weeks ago that for those that don't know me, I'm, I'm quite short, um, so four foot 11. So at school, I was really small and I've not really grown too much from there. And I remember talking about sports and um, PE and games at school. And my PE teacher used to isolate me from the group, the class, to go and play sports on my own. So when it was hockey... Um, or track and field, he used to send me off to do that on my own because um, I was too small to join in with the rest of the crowd. So um, you wouldn't get away with it today. I was going to say that. He sort of, you know, chopped off the end of the hockey stick and made it shorter and, you know, went and um, created the high jump out of a runner beam came (laughs) two cones. And so I was kind of pushed away to say, look, you're you're not good enough to join in with the rest of us. Go and play on your own. And um, that may that may have started it. I know you always. I always felt like I was the outsider, um, and not part of the group or part of the team. So I've I've probably set about trying to prove that I am by doing the best that I could do. Big thank you to your PE teacher. Yeah, right, well, for, we, yeah, for making thank it. you, Mr. Pickford. Mr. Yeah. Pickford, if you're listening, if you're listening trouble, mate. Yeah, and a big yeah. thank you to Andrew Wilson yeah, for saving exactly. my life. Yeah, like, we owe for, for absolutely saving my life that night. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure that out as well. Mm. Like I was looking for, I just thought I wasn't very good at it and yeah. I just didn't like it. And I, like you say, you peel back those layers. And I think as I started to mature, my, the roles that I was going into more and more 
needed me to stand in front of people and present. And, uh, you know, however good or bad you are at that, there's always room for development. Mm. But for me, it was like I wouldn't even get up. Like I literally would not even stand up in front of people. But I think as we go through careers, and so some of my um, managers pushed me out of my comfort zone. So I remember having to present for the first time or, you know, make some difficult decisions with people in my team. And, you know, I you've got to thank your managers that pushed you out of that comfort zone yeah, to do it. 100%. And I think as I've gone through lots of those experiences in my career, you know, I talk to people about knowing how that's going to make you feel so you're not surprised when you feel when it. When you feel it, yeah. So I, I kind of accept that you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, but that's okay. It's part of the process. So the core stays the same. You just sort of wrap yourself in what appears to be some very confident behaviours and pull it off. Hopefully. Yeah, I think some of them that, like you say, you can only control certain elements of that. So you can't. One of the key bits of advice I got is that there's a pretty good chance they don't know your content. Yeah. So even if you fluff your lines a little bit or you oh, get a little totally. bit wrong, yeah, it's only you that knows. There's only you that yeah. knows, so don't be so harsh on yourself. Yeah. That's this is just for all the people out there that are struggling with public speaking. Yeah. Um, there's there's also some things that you control. I remember me and you working on something very early on in in this role, and it was one of the bigger times that I'd had to present as a in my new role, and I controlled every possible eventuality. Mm. So I went to the room. I took pictures, yeah. so I knew where I would be stood, yeah. what I would be doing. I yeah. knew what the layout of the room was. Mm-hmm. I knew what colour sock, that's a big thing for me, what colour socks I'm wearing. So if I'm ever seen wearing maroon socks, I'm having a day where I need a level of strength. You'll see today, today. maroon noticed, socks on. Yeah. yeah. So that I've got loads of pairs of maroon socks, <laughs> but but they, that tends to be mean that I'm back yeah. in control of but, the... But I think you learn, you know, what are the things that will make me feel as comfortable and confident yeah. as I can... And if I can picture the room and I can prepare myself, whether that's mentally or physically, because you've, you know, you've seen the room, you've imagined the audience, you've understood your content well enough, then it's only you that knows if it's not gone quite to plan. Yeah. But it's it's the, expecting to feel like that sometimes. Yeah, I think knowing that you're going to feel like that, but still going through with yeah. it, understanding that that preparation for a scenario is yeah. not the whole scenario Absolutely. you're just your body's getting yeah. ready for that prep for battle or whatever you want to call that mm. um I, to be fair while i'm thinking about it i've missed out on some really big opportunities through that fear some of them yeah. that i put down is probably up there with like the big regrets two people i was best three people i've been best man for and in all three of those situations have never done a best man speech oh, wow. fortunately there's always been a double act and I right. think the people were, who I was best man for was considerate enough to understand that I probably wouldn't want to do that yeah. but I'm not bad to have I on the team well not bad to have on the team if we're going to yeah. organise something there yeah. was my skills coming through yeah. but yeah if I sit down and try to work out what that fear had what it stopped me from mm. doing mm. three big best men speeches yeah. that I've missed out on yeah. through allowing that fear to take over mm. and on on the first one it was actually a point where we was eating dinner and I was ready to go like I'd prepped and I'd done all this stuff and we'd rehearsed it and that got me to like a minute before they were about to ring the bell and mm. say speeches and I just looked at the guy next to me and went I'm out I'm not yeah. in anymore I can't yeah. do this 
and I sank a bottle of red wine and relaxed and watched <laughs> the race. And, and he was amazing, to be <laughs> yeah. fair. He was much better without me. Um, but afterwards, I suppose the bit that always frustrated me, which is why I had to do something about it, we are slightly digressing, was that um, I had regret afterwards. Yeah. I was yeah. really pissed off about not mm. actually going through it. And I would yeah. sit there and go, why have you allowed that to happen again? You've mm. got to do next time. Yeah. I'm having that speech. Yeah. I'm doing that. And it would arise again. But and I, think, I would fall again. I think again. that's the lesson, isn't it? That, you know, think if you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone and yeah. you miss the opportunity, how you'll feel afterwards that you didn't push yourself through yeah. that. So, that... you know, I think it's... Um, you know, not you, you'll never. I think when you have a self confidence issue or you don't want to do public speaking, I don't think you're ever going to be totally at ease with that. Um, but you learn to manage it and learn how it's going to make you feel yeah. and push yourself through it because of your preparation, your practice, the way you handle your inner thoughts. So as you're in control of it, I, we'll finish on this in a minute because we've gone off, off topic a little <laughs> bit, but that's fine. The other thing is that generally you're your worst critic with that as well. And most of the feedback that I got was, it was okay. Like, yeah. you know, nothing to write home about, but it certainly won't be up there with a mm. catastrophic yeah. failure. It's not as bad as you It's think. never really, but I wanted it to be like I was a Sky Sports news presenter or something, <laughs> you know. I wanted it at that yeah. elite level, yeah. but I wanted it just to happen. Yeah. That why, why can't I just do that? When I look at other people, they can do it. Yeah. What I didn't see is that iceberg of, all of the shit they were going yes. through, all yeah. of the work they were having to put in, the hours in front yeah. of a mirror, yeah. you know. Quite often they feel the same as you, um, or they've had more practice, more opportunity, yeah. and they've learned to manage their emotions going through that. Yeah, if, um, I, if I go back in a corporate world, the, the, the first opportunity I had, um, I wasn't working for Dan at the time, but I was working with him, and I got this opportunity to present of this product launch I wasn't in this role. I was in a previous role. I literally got up mm. and ran through it at like lightning speed. I didn't even ask if anyone had any questions. I was back in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Dan looking up going, thanks, Tony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was over. When like it was done. Yeah. It was done. Yeah. And I realized that day when I looked at these people that were in front of me, like Dan and a couple of others that were in the organization standing up, I probably need to work on this. If I want to be a, yeah. you go back to that authenticity, yeah. that reputation, mm. that credibility. Mm. Now, I put myself in those situations yeah. knowing how much it's going to hurt. But but I'll go back to the point I made earlier around how I, I'm an observer of people, not in an unhealthy way, but I just observe people doing their jobs and how they act and behave and the reactions that has with others around them, be that presenting or in a, you know, a, meeting and actually as I used to watch people presenting or appearingly be very confident my observations would help me grow because I could see how they would be doing things how they'd handle their nerves yeah. how they would read the room how they would control the room and um, you pick up the habits you know you see things and you make them work for you um, yeah, I think I, I then started to hang around with a different set of people. So mm. I, if I want to learn something and I need some coaching, I need some mentoring mm. in a specific subject, I'm going and immersing yeah. myself with those people. Yeah. And that was the area yeah. that I chose. Absolutely. We digress slightly there just on self-confidence and my yeah. jungle book dramas. <laughs> but I just want to, you, you've gone through this whole corporate life, let's mm. say, 
and you do make that decision yeah. that you're going to go it alone. Mm. You're going into the field that you feel most comfortable mm. in. It's a pretty big step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last few podcasts, I would have made that decision and not told anyone, not even Carly and them done it. Yes. So yeah. what did you do? You, yeah. You're faced with this possibility. Yeah. So, well, yeah, um, it was a really big decision, really huge, actually. Um, and because of the confidence issue, there's this fear of failure that always goes on. Um, but it was my turn in corporate life. It was my turn, you know, for the merry-go-round uh, for the merry-go-round to, you know, push Throw you, you off. off. Yeah. Um, which was fine. Um, my boss that I worked with are a couple that I, you know, I still spend quite a bit of time with now and I class them as friends of mine. One of them um, had gone back to Geneva where he came from and um, I sought his advice and counsel as to is should I take the redundancy option and shall I go and if so what do I do? Um, or should I stay and take another role? And the other person I sought some advice and guidance from was my husband. Um, and both of them said, believe in yourself and and follow your dream yeah. and um, go for it. What's the worst thing that could happen? You might enjoy it. You might enjoy and it. It might be amazing. But my decision to leave, actually, um, wasn't to then start working for myself and create the brand new company. My decision was to get off the merry-go-round and take a year out to detox out of corporate life and take that time to decide what I was going to do. Um, and so my boss and my husband would say, go for it. Um, take the leap of faith. What's the worst thing that could happen? You keep in touch with your network. And if in a year's time it's not for you and something didn't find its way to be your new career, you can go back um, to a, another role. So um, that was the plan. Uh, I lived in West Sussex. My office was in Manchester, so I used to go away every week, two or three nights. Um, so the decision was you know, made that actually it would be a good thing after 12 years of doing that. At the same time, my mum wasn't particularly well. So I found that actually it was okay to get off the merry-go-round and just take some time out and detox. That was the plan. As we all know. As we all know, that lasted Clubs about a week. Not bored or... <laughs> I, I was bored. Um, I suppose that's one of the... My dad retired um, a couple of years ago and it was a little bit forced uh, through, through an injury. Um, he ended up losing a part of his thumb and I think the time had come um, just to take that as yeah, a moment to yeah. say, okay, let's just stop working now. Mm. He was starting to get um, it was starting to get a bit more difficult. Yeah. It was quite an active job. Mm. I think the bit that he's had to, de to deal with the most is the boredom. Yeah. Literally I, climbing I lasted the walls. A week. I lasted a week. I was in my mid-40s, so um, I'd had my you know, career, most of it really, and I remember walking my dog and phoning one of my old team 
feeling like I was skiving, like I was... Just let them know you're doing something. Yeah, I was naughty. I'm, I, I'm out there smashing it. Yeah, like yeah I was busy Building still. my business. But, but it was like going cold turkey yeah. because no one needed me. Yeah. My phone had gone, my car had gone, the in, laptop had gone, in, in and you felt the, lost. In one of the early episodes, in a slightly different scenario, Al Brennan said he got injured playing rugby very quickly. Mm. The phone stops ringing. Yeah. You do realise, yeah. and that's not... Don't mean to say it in a disrespectful way, but you're not as big as the machine. Yeah. Like it will still Completely. roll on. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's 100%. people who I've been working with who I think, wow, if they left this organization, yeah. the whole place would fall yeah. down. It never actually no, does. No. You know, someone will always be ready to take another great opportunity Without that's left behind. But there's my a... my moment of feeling cold turkey came the Monday morning. I left on Friday on the Monday morning. Yeah. It hit me because all I concentrated on was getting out and doing the goodbyes because I hate a goodbye. So I focused on that and I didn't focus on how I would feel when I wasn't needed. And I was walking the dog. I phoned one of my old team and said, hey, it's me, you know, just saying hi. And he said, me who? he said, I can't talk. I'm with my new boss. And it kicked me in the gut. And I thought, oh, OK, that doesn't how did feel you great. Feel, yeah, Wounded, not wanted, not needed, of no value. So I felt really lost. My only criteria was during this year, you're going to decide what you want to do that you didn't have to pretend you were enjoying. But within a week, people started phoning, saying, I know you're not at work. Could you come and coach this person? Wow. Um, when you're not at work, could you come and run this workshop? So all that talk at the beginning about your reputation yeah. preceding you yeah. and that, this being there, <laughs> it, it was, was, it was it all was, coming to the fore It now. was. Um, one of the things I was known for was... Um, having a very good network. I don't tactically go out and build a network, but I'm quite good at keeping in touch with people. And one of the favourite sayings I've always had is build your network before you need it. Yeah. And my network was quite active. My reputation clearly wasn't too bad. And people started phoning saying, we used to work together. I've heard you're not working. Would you come and do this for me? So very quickly, I had to create a company name, um, and and go live as a kind of a um, my own company really and bizarrely my first day's work where I raised my first invoice was back in GE delivering some training for my old team how many people have done Very that bizarre. so many people do that yeah they turn into the consultation they yeah. become a yeah. Uh, yeah, consultation yeah and there, so. because you know the insides of, and I've done that myself mm. I've had people who've stopped working for me gone on and pursued their passion mm. and we're like are you still doing that thing yeah. that you did before could you come back, could you come back? because you was what the organization wanted mm. at that time you displayed all of them values you've still got all yeah. of them come back and teach yeah. us what it was that you did yeah. a, a lad called Ben Greenidge who went up and set his own company up he'd worked for me for a couple of years an amazing guy with brilliant IT skills mm. when he left he left a massive hole yeah so you need come back that. and teach my yeah. other guys if yeah. you, you know you don't want to work here anymore mm. because you've got this passion you want yeah. to pursue come back and teach the other yeah. guys and, and I think in my corporate life you know I did my leadership role um which was you know brilliant you learned so much you know the corporate toolkit that you got was brilliant so I you know I I really developed as an individual but at the same time um, alongside that, I was coaching 
I was mentoring some people. You still get a neutral place as well, don't yeah. you? You're not fully immersed in it. You're no. not, I suppose your phrase, you're not holding on to the merry-go-round whilst dealing that. You're no. in control of your own, yeah. your own destiny yeah. with that. But my reputation went before me. My network was quite live. Um, so people started calling. So I took a week off and I was back working and that was eight years ago. And Never looked back. I've never stopped, no. It's been no. constant since then. Constant. You do quite a bit with work with Andy as well, don't yep. Andy Williamson, yep. for his company. Who I met at GE. Is that, who, is that where yep. that came yeah, from, from that network? Yeah, we met at GE, yeah. Yeah, and now you're doing quite a substantial amount of work with our organisation, yeah. so you yeah. you come in with us. Yeah. And, and I think that's a testament to you as an individual, your reputation. Mm. That, you know, when I went to Andy Williamson about what I was trying to deliver, he didn't fluff it and go, oh, I could do that. He went, I know someone yeah. who is perfect for that. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and blag yeah. you with this. Yeah. Speak to this person. Yeah. And you've come in and done yeah. a lot more stuff after that. Here we that. are, so, two or three years later. Two, yeah. still doing, not just yeah. with us, but wider yeah. with the whole organisation, yeah. which for me, yeah. all of the reputation that you've talked about has proceeded, into yeah. other, gone into yeah. other areas, and now you're a yeah. key part of the... Uh, and I, I think the because I've led teams and I've, you know, I've had managers that have taught me an awful lot, then, you know, I, I kind of describe my area of expertise is all things under the umbrella of people other than the legal piece or the payroll element of yeah, HR. The little so it's HR the employee bit, yeah. engagement, it's recruitment, it's development, it's getting the leaders to lead their teams with the best toolkit that they have and the best skills they've got as well. Um, and that's what I do every day. Okay. You, I, I want to. I was going to ask about sacrifices that you had to make mm. and stuff, but I think we'll lead straight into one of the because I just want to get into this straight away. One of the big areas we've worked on together is building an individual brand. Yeah. What is your brand? What does that brand look like? I know you talked about your brand, your reputation, mm. but let's just say this is a blank canvas. First mm -hmm. time we meet, and I'm like, I want to do this. Mm. I want, a, I want a brand, I want an identity. Where, where do we start? Um, well, one of the things I... Um, well, it's a big subject to start with. It is. So. You've got about four minutes. Okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know me too well. So <laughs> yeah. I may take longer than that. Um, so one of the things, um, one of the methodologies I use, which I have shared with lots of people, is um, something called PIE, P-I-E, which is performance, image, and exposure. And you can Google this and look um, look this up, but it goes back to 1995, 96, I think. Um, and this is around your personal brand and how your performance is the smallest percentage of the pie. So describe what the performance bit is. So it's what you do. Your job description. So it's your job description. It's how well you consistently have the foundation of a great performance. So if you're in sales, it's hitting your targets, doing your numbers, it's customer feedback, it's doing the what you do, your job description every day. And, and that makes up the and smallest proportion the smallest of your entire ad, which and goes in at 10%. Rough, yeah, 10 to 12%, something like that. But I think it's the smallest piece of the pie because that's what we're paid to do. When you deliver that, mm. does it come as a shock? Absolutely. I'm fascinated by the reaction in the room because I pie a lot of people. Yeah, literally. Um, I do. And it because it's my favourite subject. You know, I asked a boss years ago, you know, how do people get their careers they're after? How do they get noticed? How do they stand out from the crowd? And she shared this 
methodology with me and the penny dropped. So I've lived and breathed it ever since. And when you ask people what percentage of the whole pie and your success is down to the performance element, you get people say 33%, 75, 90. 90. Yeah, I remember but you doing it with us just, at the first time. It's the smallest piece because that's what we're all here to do. And it has to be the benchmark. It has to be a foundation, the ticket to the game. You stole, that's your phrase, I was going to steal it. I was going to go, what, could it be a ticket to the game? <laughs> yeah. I would be stealing you your, sound uh, like me, yeah, I would be stealing your lines there. Yeah. I, I do think people get a complete shock at that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was entirely shocked to some, but I still would have probably rated Higher. that higher, yeah. that your P element, mm. this performance bit, delivering on your role, only equates to 10% of yeah. your entire because identity. Because that's of what you're there to do. How you stand out from the crowd, which is where your personal brand comes in, is the I, which is the image. So the image is your values, your attitude, your behaviour, your executive presence, um, how you walk in the room, your eye contact, how well you communicate with people, um, the passion and energy that you bring. So it's how you go about the what you're doing. And that equates to around 30, 35%. So it's a big chunk of the pie and when you put those two together the e is the exposure and that's your reputation going before you so you can get exposure through people talking about you seeing you publicly speaking no. running a meeting <laughs> um it's the things people say about you and give you exposure whether you're in the room or not and that's your personal brand and people buy from people ultimately so you need a solid consistent performance gets you the ticket to the game yeah you have a great image on top of it um and all those values and attributes of a great individual and then the exposure comes from it so what happens if we don't deliver on the p yeah but still try to get an i and an e because yeah. i suppose you could put yourself yeah. in those scenarios when let's just say i'm not delivering in p mm. but I'm out there, I'm mm. networking, I look like I know what I'm doing. What are people going to say about me when I'm not in that room? Yeah, well, you get exposure, but perhaps not for the same reason. So I can remember um, recruiting before for somebody in my team, and somebody applied who had a great personal brand. They looked the part, they sounded the part, a great image, um, but their performance wasn't where it needed to be, and it wasn't very often there either and they were in the sales arena so they were uh, um you know if we typically talk about someone who can sell and talk to people and engage um and have a lot of confidence great but they didn't really execute the plan um so you talk about them for different reasons you know they say the right thing they look the right part but actually have they delivered a result? Uh, that's a great way to put it. How many people must get labelled? Yeah. Well, they talk yeah. a good game, but yeah. they're not delivering. And I'm sure as people listen, you'll have names and faces that will go... That instantly pop in your head of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're neither of those people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll but find out. Of the people, yeah. Who, yeah. And I suppose holding that mirror up and being accountable to yourself and saying, mm. are we saying we can't have the other things unless we go back and do those basics? Is that... I think you get exposed eventually um, because, you know, a, a, someone who truly stands out from the crowd um, for all of the right reasons will have both um, consistently. 
as well. So it's a balance of the two. It's a massive subject, isn't Huge. it? Huge. Yeah, fascinated Tell me by some it. more. <laughs> fascinated by it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the opposite can happen as well, um, where you can be a great performer, and even if we'll use sales again, because that's quite an easy analogy to use, but you could smash your numbers week after week after week, but we kind of expect you to, because we just knew you would. Um, well, that's kind of what we employ the people, I'm we, not, not me personally, but that's what we've employed. Yeah. The job description has gone out, yeah. we've attracted the talent that uh, yeah. matches that job description yeah. or even exceeds yeah. it, and yeah. we bring that in. So when you're in those, how how are you, you if you're saying that's a given, mm. or it should be a given, yeah. how can you evaluate the the, the I and the E, the, yeah. the how they do it and what their brand yeah. is around it in an interview scenario? Well, you ask some really good questions around, you know, their values. And if you mentioned the word iceberg earlier, so typically in an interview, someone's fairly well prepared. They would expect some fairly standard questions. And actually, if you're good at interviewing and you can ask some very good, inquisitive, probing questions, you can get under the surface and get some um, examples or have some good discussions around how they operate, how they do what they do how they interact with people, you know, what their reputation looks like as well. I've said a couple of times I'm good at observing um, and um, I can kind of get under the surface a little bit and validate what they're saying, whether their eyes and mouth match. Whether they're just talking their good game. Yeah. <clears throat> we just covered a little bit there on brand identity. When we first started working together, and I give you the vaguest brief you've ever had to turn <laughs> something, I do this quite a lot. I was actually saying one of my traits, I'm starting to call it a positive trait now <laughs> because I can't micromanage someone if I just give them four words and expect them to no, do magic no, with it. No. I did it with Kerry Irons last week, um, someone I work with who's amazing. I went, right, I want people to think about creativity. And then I walked away and that was the brief. And literally she turned it into magic and did this whole creative she session. Creative she had to be creative on my brief, yeah. Um, and then when you say about what people say about you when you're not there. So mm. afterwards I walked up and she said, look, this is all the work I've done. What do you think of it? And in my typical bullish fashion, I went, okay, what are we going to do after that? I didn't take any time yeah. whatsoever. And that leads me really nicely, nicely. into the emotional yes. intelligence bit, yeah, which yeah, yeah. clearly okay. I'm getting what I need from you <laughs> <laughs> if I've still not recognised it. So we've done a little bit about brand identity. Yeah. And one of the key areas, like I said, the vague brief I gave you is about emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You see it everywhere in yeah. every corporate environment. Yeah. Show some corporate, uh, show some emotional intelligence, be more emotionally intelligent. But what does it actually mean? It's, a, it's another big subject. We've gone for a while on this one. But I think for me, without making it too complex, which we do sometimes, um, in simple terms, it's for me the ability to be aware of um, and manage your own emotions. So be aware of how your emotions are playing. Manage your emotions, but also to understand others and to be able to read you know, how you may have triggered somebody else's emotional reaction and then manage yours to react in the right way with that as you well. You mentioned trigger there. Yes. Talk to us about triggering. Um, so depending on, um, I may trigger somebody's emotional reaction by words I use, 
Um, I may not be mindful that that is a trigger that I have pulled, um, but it's it's something that we all have. You've said iceberg, I've said iceberg a couple of times, and it's kind of what's going on under the surface. So the face is telling you about 10% of really what's going on, and 90% of us is below the waterline. That's where all the emotional intelligence sits. Um, and I may, you know, we all have triggers that would pull our emotions and it's knowing uh, when you lead a team, it's knowing what you could do that would trigger somebody's emotions, um, whether you choose to do that or not. Um, and also to recognize when you have a trigger pulled as well, um, that your emotions change and how to handle or manage that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we would all anyone who's listening can relate to that in anything they're mm. doing, whether that's at home in their life, their mm. normal life, some things just get you, don't yeah. they? And yeah. I think what, so my interpretation of that is when they do get you, it's because ultimately what's been said might not be this, but it feels like it questions your core, yes. your core your beliefs core of who you are. Absolutely. What makes me up, you have literally yeah. just questioned yeah. all of that. Yeah. So if someone was to say, I don't know, I won't give an example, but if someone was yeah. to pull my trigger, yeah. I would be feeling like they have questioned. Yeah. And then I would start to think, everything I do yeah. and everything I try to do, and you still pull that trigger. Yeah. So now I'm in total defense mode yeah. on this. Yeah. It You're, doesn't help relationships And that's not going to get you the response no. you want. No. Some, so the emotional intelligence and the awareness is that we have that set out already. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the bits of work that we did very early on was mm. to talk about my triggers, what, yeah. what gets me. Mm. And one of the things I've done with the leadership team I work with, which some later than others, to be honest, some of it was intentional. And some areas, I would say, I had to go through those triggers before I realized I should have probably indicated yeah. those. Yeah. And that's a, 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 in a two-way street. Mm. I sit down with the people that I work with yeah. and I say, look, this is a situation if I say this, will it trigger you? What mm. triggers you? What yeah. do you know triggers you? Mm. And we basically set up that verbal contract. Absolutely. What that doesn't do is tell us we're not going to do it. Because no. there might be a scenario where we have to go through that. Absolutely. But what it does do is it tells me, yeah. I'm a validating all you the are, learning, you you're are, smiling. Yeah. But what that tells me is that I know that if I pull that, expect yeah. something back. Absolutely. Something's yeah. coming back. Yeah. And, it, and those triggers are your core beliefs and values that people don't necessarily see um, and they may not understand until they've pulled the trigger or you've shared it with them. So, you know, I talked about um, self-confidence earlier. So if somebody would do something or suggest something that said I wasn't confident or good at what I was doing, my reputation was um, challenged, that would probably trigger an emotional reaction. And I really encourage people, and it's great to hear that you're doing it, um, is that when you join a new team or that you inherit a team, that you set out that sort of housekeeping conversation early on that says that how are you and I going to work? You know, tell me about you. What could I do that would pull a trigger in you that I may not see? How will you tell me that I've done that? And just so I know that I may have to still do it, but at least I know I'm going to get a reaction. And I think if you're good at listening, you'll ask some good questions around that. And then in return, you can say, and this is me. You know, these are my core values. And if you um, if you say or act or behave in this way, you're going to pull a trigger. Um, 
and expect uh, some bombs coming and back. And ex expect a reaction <laughs> yeah. from me. So it's setting that foundation of how are you going to um, work together. And then you're... You've yeah, I think it's really important because at corporate level and at any organisational level, we've got you know our company mm. ethos and our mission statements and our... Uh, values as an organization that we believe in mm. and, and you know they're all great and mm. they all serve that purpose within that if we can align on all of these things yeah. then we drive the business forward as a yeah. whole but we've still got our own core beliefs yeah. beneath that and yeah. that's what's you know if they reflect what those mm. organization ones are all the better we're, we're here for the long haul yeah. right but yeah. if if there's just some things so mm. i'm going to ask you yeah. wh what's your triggers then yeah that someone would suggest um, that my reputation isn't um, a good one, that um, I've let somebody down, which would never be my intention, um, that I'm not bringing my best to work. So if somebody would say um, something in passing or directly that would suggest that I'm not giving it my all, um, that would get me. Um, so when I partner with people that um, you know I've worked with or have worked in my team, we set that foundation of understanding. And actually, once it's on the table and you've shared that, you can refer back to it and say, "Do you remember? Do you remember when we contracted with this? You've just done it, and I'm feeling like this at the moment." Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if people would suggest that I wasn't giving something my all, um, <laughs> that I wasn't doing the best that I could, which to me interprets to say your reputation isn't a great one, that gets under my skin. Yeah, I, I have a few triggers. I'm not going to label them all out on here. Yeah. I've got no problem sharing Most of them, them I've seen. You've seen most <laughs> of them, yeah. But I think one of the key bits, so one of my biggest triggers, I, I will explain this one, is um, the word busy. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It yeah. just drives me insane. Yeah. Like, everybody's busy, right? Yeah. And I would expect yeah. people to be busy. Yeah. That's what we're employed to do. Mm. And that my wife's busy, my children are busy at school. Mm. But I hate that phrase. Yeah. And literally, I, I was going to try and get it up, but I don't want to tap on the computer at the same time. I've no problem sharing it on the mm. Instagram page. My list of triggers. Yeah. And one of the top ones is people telling me they're too busy. Because yeah. for me, that... We could all say that, mm. right? But what that says to me, I'd rather productive mm. than busy. So there's mm. two, there's, it, it is only a wording thing for me. But I also think about if I'm too busy, yeah. what should I drop? What's yeah. now no longer important? Yeah. That means that this elevates yeah. on the importance. Yeah. And the, but people if you're have seen open that trigger. And honest, you know, when you share that's one of them, um, then people will know when you challenge back when they say, I'm really too busy, you know, they. Yeah, I'm not giving a warning out to yeah. anyone that yeah, works. They all know. Up. Any yeah. of the, the people that are in the yeah. leadership team who yeah. work directly with yeah. me, we've done this. We sit down, mm. get a flip chart out. Mm. We split the flip chart down the middle. Sue on one side, Tony on the other. Yeah. Get your triggers on there. Yeah. Get them on there. And I will do my utmost while yeah. we work together to make a verbal yeah. agreement that I don't pull them yeah. intentionally. intentionally. Yeah. 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 And then, hope, then from provocation not expect a reaction yeah. like i'm not going to poke the bear yeah. without knowing what's yeah. coming back out the other side yeah. because i think then we spend far too much time trying to work out that problem yes. yeah. rather than the actual yeah. situation we're probably yeah. in which is a business decision to make or yeah. a personal decision or whatever they are yeah. we're now locked in emotion yeah yeah and it's you know i 
I see when people do those sort of verbal contracts early on, and sometimes we revisit it, we were talking about that yeah. yesterday actually, that um, you've got transparency and it takes away the difficulty of raising some issues or feedback with somebody because they've made you feel like something. Because it's there um, already yeah, in black and white. Yeah, and you can just be open and honest and refer back and say, do you remember number three on my list? You've just done that. What the, the situation can change as well, can't mm. they? So our triggers and our beliefs change, mm. and I think probably important to try and explain that. We, you said that about housekeeping. Mm. We should revisit them yeah. on a regular basis yeah. because what our mm. verbal contract at yeah. the beginning, which we sort of did, I yeah. said to you, like, you're going to get 100% commitment from me. Mm. I'm going to be vague. <laughs> I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Yeah. That's how I operate. What do you need from me? How are we going yeah. to do that? Yeah. And I think our relationship has been close enough to be able to adapt that over yeah. time and understand where yeah. we are. Um, so I suppose the bit I'm trying to say is, revisiting that on a regular uh, basis is massively yeah. important because yeah, it's a good catalyst for you know a, a healthy relationship and i i like asking three questions of people that um would be in my team you know how how are you doing and then listen and yeah. pull some really you know get under the surface and pull out of them how they're doing so how are you doing how am i doing so how am i doing as your leader and then how are we doing together and I think if you can ask three questions and revisit your verbal contract, then it evolves and you can move your relationship on. I talk about relationship bank account. And when you Tell can us ask, about that then. Um, so if you think about a bank account, you pay money in. Um, and when you've got money in the bank, it's healthy. Um, there's a positive balance that when you need something, you need to take some money out. You've got enough in credit to withdraw. And if you think about relationships with people, it works under the same concept that if I've paid enough into a relationship and I need something, I need you to go the extra mile for me, I need you to understand um, how I need to evolve and change things, or I need a favour, I've got enough in the credit, the bank account with you to, to do that. And it's the little things that pay in. So it's delivering on time, it's, um, you know, responding to an email with the right information it's um the little things like good morning good afternoon um all of those sort of just general behaviors that would be part of your reputation but that i do what i say i'm going to do for you um i hit a number i hit a deadline i communicate well which means i'm in credit with you as a relationship and when i need something in return there's a healthy balance that you'll probably do that for me. So if we're not in credit, yeah. and we're so we're Overdrawn. effectively in our overdraft, yeah. what does that stimulate? Um, it's harder to get things from people. Um, you know, you might you might know people. I certainly do who always want something from you and never give back. Yeah. You know, you couldn't just you know I'm really busy. Could you? Yeah. You know, and if you're if you're good as my mum always used to say to me, <clears throat> you know, the more you do, the more they'll ask you to do. So you kind of get asked don't to do those, all of it. They don't make those old mum tales for no reason. No, exactly. They? They're, they're, they're serious. Very true. They're serious. Yeah. We've um, made them so complex with all business, you know, emotional intelligence, yeah. call it whatever you want, brand identity. Sim get it right down to those yeah. simple elements. Yeah. Like you you can't expect someone to do something if you're not prepared to do those Correct. things for them yeah, as well. It's a two-way relationship. It's completely two-way, yeah, yeah. That's a healthy bank And balance. I think that sometimes is 
one of the difficulties of being in a leadership position because mm. generally it feels like you have to take from the yeah. can you do this yeah. i would like you to do that yeah what you know we've got a weekend work coming up yeah feel like you're extracting yeah. how do leaders pay into their bank accounts on a regular basis uh, well um by you know t turning up on time at the meetings respecting others doing what they say they were going to do. So it's all the same stuff. It's about people working with people. Um, and a leader may have slightly different responsibilities, which could be, you know, I hold your one-to-one -one on time that, you know, when you need me, I'm there to support you. If I committed to developing you in your career, I put a plan together and delivered against it. So I delivered on my promises. You've touched on a couple of things that worded it slightly different each time. But I suppose doing what you said you would do the mm. key message for me mm. throughout most of this hour mm. or so we've been together is if you say you're going to do something and you don't mm. expect that to be yeah um, it's it's a slight withdrawal from it's another take isn't yeah. it yeah, yeah you know we'll, we'll meet at nine i arrive at quarter past i've yeah. just took another little yeah. bit out of that bank yeah. account and if there's nothing in there yeah. there's nothing left yeah which is, could pull on somebody's emotional trigger. Then the trigger's you know, pulled. You don't respect me enough to turn up on time. Sometimes you can't help it, but if it's but if something enough, you constantly do... If there's if it becomes a habit, yeah. then it's then there's no consideration Correct. for that Correct. for that yeah. individual. Yeah. Yeah, I think that subject alone could take us for relationship management, yeah. putting into these bank accounts. I, I think I could be here for hours with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, what's next for you? Um... Um, I knew you were going to ask me this because I've listened to your podcast and um, I am so passionate about what I do and I work with um, some fantastic people um, in different industries at different levels that what's next for me is just keep doing it. You know, the day I wake up and feel it's not for me, in fact, some people at the weekend said, you know, not that I'm near retirement, but do you ever think about retiring early and stopping? It's like, no, it doesn't enter my mind. It really doesn't because I thoroughly enjoy what I do. And so what's next? More of the more same. More of the more same. More of the same. Well, I hope more of that same is yeah, with me. me. That would be, uh, <laughs> it's, work, it's working for me. I think so anyway. I'll let, I'll let other people. Yeah. You look yeah. like you're about to ask me a question. No, no, no. No, I wasn't going to. No, I stop. So... Um, <laughs> You, you obviously work with loads of leaders across mm. all different industries. You've, you've had, alluded to that there. The point of this podcast, when I started it out, was, well, I say the point, one of the reasons for doing it was for my personal development, mm. selfishly, is that I get to listen yeah. to the people who inspire me, tell me about the people they work with and the things that they've yeah. done, and I can collect all of these nuggets of information yeah. to make me better. There's, you mentioned earlier there's... There's a bit of trait mm. like that. I hound people in the gym. But what I would say is that is one of the traits that I've mm. seen across a lot of successful people is that mm. they have self-care. Yeah. So health and fitness is yeah. is a is a priority to them. Mm. What other stuff do you what other traits do you see across leaders mm. that you work with that we can pinch some of those habits from to, to send out? Um, oh, that's a good question. So um, I thought you were going to ask me what fitness I do. That's next. Oh, I, I know you do boxing. That's why I've sat yeah, about five foot yeah, away. Yeah, the other so. side of the room. <laughs> um, so I think what I see 
the great leaders that I look at, um, they're authentic. Um, they are clear on their um, vision. Um, they look around the corner and see what's coming and plan to handle that. Um, I see them being um, real people, so their personality comes into it. I'm thinking of the leaders I work with. Um, they can engage with others. They are energetic, um, passionate, and challenge their team to deliver. So they've got a real drive in them as well. So there's a bit of a hungry, competitive edge to, to good leaders. Yeah, well, I think I that's... Think. I talked in one of the previous podcasts about... Personally, I don't get bored with the process. Mm. I'm not actually concerned, overly concerned with yeah. the achievement, yeah. and then I'm not actually bothered about spending yeah. any time. And yeah. I think you're telling me about a golfer. Is it the golfer that you do? Is oh it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you was explaining it. That maybe you're better at telling yeah. that story, but they don't spend a lot of time, even when they've won something, yeah. relishing in the no, success. Never, never content. That's so a good way of putting looking, it. Yeah, yeah. So always while, challenging. So while. The people or the team they work with has mm. won, yeah. whatever one means. Yeah. Yeah. They're already around the next corner. Yeah, they're they're up at fa- five a.m. Yeah. back yeah. out on the putting green. Yeah, always, always putting in the effort. And I think um, you know the traits of great leaders are um, not afraid to make the difficult decisions in a timely manner. So sitting on a decision and pondering and asking too many people's input. Um, delays tough decisions sometimes so people that have got a bit of um, bite to them to make the difficult decisions but they take people on their journey and they're good at explaining good at articulating um, how and what they're doing and why it's important that people believe in it as well so. and they don't necessarily they're not all in leadership positions yeah. these people that's yeah. what's amazing about them yeah. some of the greatest leaders yeah. that I've worked with weren't even mm. my boss no. or weren't my uh, my sergeant in the mm. army. These were people who I looked across and was like, I would follow that person, yeah. no matter whether they've got yeah. five stripes, ten stripes, you know, yeah. it don't matter who they are, I'm going with them. Yeah. And I think that authenticity that yeah. you talk about, they've, they've, it's just there. It's, there. it's just present. I, I think the, the culture that I enjoy most and the leaders I see that, have great teams around them are those that are you know quite approachable you know they're real personalities they talk in simple language they're not in ivory towers talking loads of corporate bullshit. jargon yeah, i'm bullshit. gonna use sorry bullshit. for swearing i've no. only said a couple been, of swear yeah. words have been relatively been really good but today corporate bullshit yeah, yeah they're, yeah, they're that... kind of they're human beings who talk let's, in your language. Let's grab the whole the law hanging through. Yeah. Let's oh, yeah. clear the rocks from the runway. Yeah. It's all get junk, rid of, just you know, yeah. just be real. Yeah. You know, um, don't leave your personality at the corporate door. Bring it in. Um, because you know, people like to buy from people and if the leader happens to be someone they can see is credible, respectful, you know, clear in what they're lo- wanting. Um, demands a lot, but they're one of the team. I've certainly got that trait. Yeah, <laughs> I've certainly got a demanding trait, and I think any of the guys that work with me will certainly be sitting yeah. there saying that would be yeah. one of the things demanding. Yeah. She's just described Tony questioning continuously, <laughs> yeah. try trying to be inquisitive about mm. it without 
meddling in their yeah. business but wanting to know more, yeah. trying to grab that those yeah. questions from them. Yeah. So I was given a bit of advice when I was uh, first working with you, mm-hmm. when times are difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's been some, and I'm not going to dispute that while mm-hmm. we're on here. I'm not going to make out that the entire time I've been doing this role has been by any stretch easy. There's been some turbulent times. And you said to me at the time, hold your nerve, keep the keep faith. The faith. Yeah. And the yeah. ship, you will turn it round. And there's a couple of bits of advice I've been given over the years. Another one was, there's always a solution. Yeah. If that individual is listening, a lady who I work with in Germany, she'll recognise mm. that. And when I ring her, I always say that. We always talk about that piece of advice. Hold your nerve, keep the faith, yeah. because trust in what decisions you've made yeah. and you'll turn that ship yeah. around and I just want yeah. to say thank you. Well it was great advice I got given. Oh, that was what I was yeah. just going to ask yeah. where did that advice come so, from? So that was one of the pieces of advice I was given when I decided to leave and take the time out which as we know didn't last very long but I you know I started my business and um was busy for a week and then it was kind of like, oh, you know, where's the next bit of work coming from? It's dried up. And somebody said to me, who works with Andy and I, said, look, keep the faith and hold your nerve. Yeah. Believe in yourself and keep the faith, you know, hold your nerve. And it was, you know, it was a piece of advice that I've held in my head and shared with others um, because if you're clear on what you want and how you're going to get there, um, keep believing in yourself. There's going to be some turbulent yeah, times, isn't course. there? It's going to be rocky, yeah. as it is with any anything that you do, whether that be a relationship or yeah. you know a job. It's going to be rocky. Yeah. The, I suppose some of the people who are unsuccessful yeah. for whatever that is don't take that advice. Yeah. They they let yeah. the fear take over. Yeah. They don't hold their nerve. They don't mm. keep the faith and. Yeah. They probably yeah. miss some great opportunities for just talk, you know what there's a what I don't know what the phrase is the people who quit generally don't know how close they are yeah. to success absolutely. it's literally yeah. behind the next door yeah. just keep hold a little yeah. bit longer and yeah. and you've got it yeah. so that's some of the best advice you've been given yeah. the the question I ask most of the people mm. on the podcast is what's the worst advice um, it can be in anything by the way okay. Jack's was about running. Yeah. So it could be whatever you want. Well, someone someone encouraged me to do the London to Brighton bike ride three years ago, and I said yes, and then I hated them for a while afterwards. But anyway, that's that's another story. We did it, by the way. Well done. Um, thank you. Um, you could do Britain, the whole length of Britain next. No, with I'm Christy. not following Christy. No, um, that's too far. Um, so I think the worst advice I was, which I didn't take, but I was encouraged to take was by somebody who was in my HR team before who said, um, you've got potential, you should fulfil it. And I didn't really aspire to max out my potential. So um, because it wasn't for me, it, it didn't play to my values and what my motivators were. Um, so I guess the advice I was given was to keep going until you plateau and fill your potential but that meant relocation you know a job I wasn't going to enjoy the things you Um, don't want so I declined the advice but that would have been the worst advice I think for me personally keep going yeah if it was it's okay sometimes to not aspire to fill your potential if you want to go somewhere else and do do something else so final question I haven't Mm -hmm. really asked many people this but 
Um, I'm intrigued to know who inspires you. Um, who inspires me? So um, my husband, for one, um, for his um, belief in what he's doing and what he achieves, um, which I always find quite incredible. Um, my old boss, who's back in Geneva, inspires me um, for all of the down-to-earth, blunt messages he's given me <laughs> along the way with, with a bit of laughter along the way too. And I think um, some of the people I work with inspire me, how far they've gone. And a couple of people that I've coached on a personal level who have left the corporate world as well. Who followed in that type of footstep do, that you've yeah, gone on. who've started their own businesses. There's um, three ladies that we kind of have our own little ladies club going on. And they've all left their corporate worlds and they have their own businesses. And they are That's keeping amazing. the faith and holding their nerve as well. In different fields, from Pilates teachers to um, coaching and sales training to a, a load of different things that they really focus on, but um, they've kept the faith and held their nerve as well, and they're doing really well. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're here because you're one of the people that inspires me. Thank you. You've inspired me over a number of years. We've got a great relationship. Long that, may that continue. I want to say thank you. It's late in the evening. You've stayed with me the whole day working with my team. You've stayed behind and worked with me on this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's thank Never Press me. News with Sue Hossack. Thank you.